0: But y'all settle down out there. You're in church, you're not supposed to be having fun, right? <laughs> Aren't you glad that he's a good God? I, this past week, I shared in the first service this past week, I was sleeping. I woke up with a phrase that came to me. And it was one of those things where I knew I had to write it down. I didn't know what it all meant yet. And what I heard was helping hands. And I'm reaching for my phone in the middle of the night. And you know what that's like when that big bright light comes on. And, you know, and then you're trying to be able to see and type in. And I wrote that down and I began to ponder it. And I've I've thought about this all week. And it started coming together for me and I I thought about that sometimes we just really don't understand how blessed and fortunate we are for the helping hand of God I'm gonna ask you if you would put that uh, slide up please we understand you know we sing that song he's got the whole world in his hands sometimes I think we make a mistake by not letting him be personal to us. He doesn't just have the whole world in his hand, he's got you in his hand. And he knows you by name. He knows you individually. And I thought, to me that's so powerful because we, you know, if we look across this auditorium in here, we can see each other and we recognize and we know one another. And most of you, I know your names. Don't feel bad if I don't. Sometimes I have to look at my driver's license. I'm just, I know your face is for sure. And then if we look beyond this, if we think about beyond this room, there are people that we know, but we don't see right now, right? And so, you know, I've always been amazed at Facebook because People, you know, how many of you have Facebook? You know what I'm talking about, Facebook. And then how many friends you got on Facebook? Most people have more friends on Facebook than they know. They don't even know them. They just, and, and I have it pop up on mine all the time. People, you know, asking to be a friend. And I'm thinking, how do I know them? And I realize I don't. <laughs> and so, I, but with God, God knows each one of us. And he knows us by name. And I'll go you one better than that. He has a plan for each one of us and he designed it specifically for you. So the idea that we could get lost in this mass of humanity and feel like that we don't count or we're just one more number or one more statistic, not in God's kingdom. You're not a statistic and you're not a number. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and he loves you. So, I begin to think about his hands, and it it made me think about something else. I want to read to you from Psalms, the 73rd chapter in the NLT. It says, truly, God is good. To Israel. Would you say that with me? God is, good. God is good. To those whose hearts are pure, but as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. Have you ever been there where you went through something and you begin to feel yourself slipping and you <laughs> there are times that we sense God's presence so powerful and so real. But there are other times that we walk and we reach trying to find him and we're not sure if he's there. And we're wondering, God, why can't I feel you? And why can't I find you? And the psalmist was saying, look, I was going through some stuff. But he prefaced it, and if you go and read that that the rest of that psalm, it's worth it. But he comes to the conclusion that when I was struggling and I was going through all this stuff, that there was one thing I came to a conclusion of, and that's that God is good. Yes. And that even when I don't know he's there, he's there. And even when I'm struggling to find my way, he knows where I'm at and he calls me by name and he doesn't let me wander out of his reach, but he's there for me. God is good. I think about that and that phrase and I thought about the word helping hands and I thought about how good God has been to us, but sometimes we just kind of coin that phrase, don't we? I mean, how many of you remember that? And I'm not diminishing it, so if you said it, don't get upset with me, okay? I'm just saying that sometimes we say stuff and it becomes more of a catchphrase than it does a reality to us. So, you remember the catchphrase, God is good all the time and all the time God is good. Don't anybody get upset with me. I heard that so much that it was like, and and, and literally what was going on, it was like, I felt like folks were just saying it, you know? And it's just, oh, you know, that's kind of like, you know, Shazbat. See, you don't remember it. Back in the 70s or the 80s, Mork and Mindy came on. Oh, yeah, now I remember. And everybody was going around, Shazbat. Well, nobody even knew what it meant you know it was like and but but everybody was saying it everybody but what i'm saying is this is that there has got to be a personification of the goodness of god in our life so it's not just a phrase to us but it becomes a reality to us and when we say it we're really thinking about it so i want to speak to you for just a little bit this morning on The goodness of God. Would you say that with me? The goodness of God. In the book of Exodus, I'm going to go to, let me set the scene for you before I read the scripture. Moses has led Israel out of Egypt. Estimations are anywhere from a million and a half to three million people. 600,000 men besides women and children, and then a mixed multitude of people that came out of Egypt because they saw God at work. How many of you have ever seen God at work? You know what I'm talking about? I, I mean, you know unmistakably and undeniably that that's God. I remember I was in a revival in Texas and the, the, the Spirit of the Lord was moving and people were laid out in the floor and there was one young man in the back and he's saying, that's just a bunch of junk up there. None of that stuff is real. And his dad said to him, he said, well, you're not afraid. Go up there and let him pray for you. And he, he said, what? He said, go up there and let him pray for you. He said, All right. He said, I'm going to. He said, but if he tries to push me on the floor, I'm going to knock his head off. And he was big enough. He'd probably got it done. (laughs) And when he walked up to that front, I didn't know what was in his mind. I just thought that he was hungry for God. You see, something happens when you get hungry for God. God knew what was in my heart, and all I wanted was for that young man to experience God in a personal way. When he came up front and I prayed for him, he hit the floor, man. And he stayed in the floor for a long time. It was, it was way after service was over before I ever found out what had happened. And that guy got up and he said he, he came to him. That young man got up and he went to his dad after service. and said, I'll tell you one thing, that's real, you understand sometimes it's just something that we see and we observe and we talk about and we think about, but until it becomes personal to us, until it becomes my God and and he's my Lord, then we just sit on the perimeter of it. But the moment that you make him yours, the moment that your heart reaches out and embraces him and you say, I don't care what anybody else thinks or what anybody else says, I I want him. He's been good to me. and I'm going to acknowledge it. I love him. It changes everything. We get so concerned and I, and I get, sometimes I get frustrated with, you know, all this fluff and stuff. You've heard me say a lot of times that if serving God had been about coming in and sitting on a church pew, I would have never done it. The only reason I'm standing here today is because I discovered personally the goodness of God. When he loves you so much that he's bound and determined for you to get to know him. Do you understand Saul? Man, he's binding people up. He's committing them to prison. He's throwing them in jail. The furthest thing from his mind is glorifying Jesus, but he, he loves us so much that he's not willing that any of us should perish. So he apprehends us. That's where Moses finds himself. He's bringing this multitude out of Egypt, and man, these guys are so. You understand the, the, multi, the mixed multitude that came out; those that weren't Israelites. They didn't come out because of all the rest of the Hebrews. They didn't come out because of their lifestyle and everybody. And they said, oh, look at these folks. They're so, they're so wonderful. No, these people have been griping and complaining for years. Why they came out is because God had shown himself real and there was no denying it. It was unmistakable. Can I ask you a question? Has God ever shown himself to you in an unmistakable, undeniable way that even if hell and all its hordes were to surround you and try and breathe down your neck and make you give up on him, you would have to say with Job, though he slay me, yet I'll trust him. I'm not Giving up, I'm not giving in because he's good. He's a good God and I want him more than I want anything else. And so Moses is taking these people out into the wilderness, and you know they get themselves in a mess, man. Moses goes up to a mountain, he's up there for 40 days talking with God, and God's writing on tablets of stone without a big pen. Just engraving And down, everybody say, meanwhile. <laughs> you know what that's like. That's always saying there's something else going on someplace. Down in the camp, they see the fire on the mountain, but they can't see Moses. I hope we never get to a place that fires just no big deal to us. It signified that God was there. Sometimes we find ourselves walking away from where God is. They make a golden calf. They start celebrating and reveling, and they're not honoring God. And God stops what he's doing with Moses. And listen to what he says. This is telling. God stops, and he says, Moses, get down off of this mountain. Because those people that you brought out of Egypt, God's not even claiming them now. He's saying those people that you brought out of Egypt have corrupted themselves and they're down there. And Moses goes down and he sees what's going on and man, he throws those tablets down. He grinds that calf to powder, spreads it over the water and makes them drink it. And he tells them, y'all better get all your doodads off because God's angry right now. And there better be some repentance in this camp or this camp is going to cease to exist. And man, they, don't, they all back up. And then God, God has this conversation with Moses and he's told Moses, he's saying, you know, <laughs> He said, he told Moses, he said, I'm not, he said, look, I'm not coming into the camp with you anymore. He said, I'm going to send you an angel and that angel will go before you. But I'm not coming into the camp because if I come into the camp, heads are going to roll. If I come in, and, and so it's like he's, now I want you to stop and think about minute because we read that and we understand how God's feeling. But you ever stop and think about how Moses is feeling? I mean, think about it. Moses has had his hands full with God in the camp trying to take care of these people. And he can't begin to fathom what it's going to be like if God's not in that camp with him. And so, Moses and God have a conversation in the 33rd chapter of Exodus, starting with the 12th verse. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people— But you have not let me know whom you'll send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know that you, that that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. They're not mine. They're yours. And he said, this is God answers him back. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, don't bring us up from here. Moses is saying, God, I can't do this on my own. You told me that you're not going to go, that you're going to, you know, you're not coming into the camp, but you haven't told me who you're going to send with me. And Moses is overwhelmed. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been overwhelmed by what you're trying to navigate in life? Have you ever been to the place that you thought, God, I don't know how to do this. I'm I'm confused. I'm at my wits end. I don't know what to do. And then all of a sudden, God just, God loves Moses so much. And Moses has tried to do all this right. And and, and he's he's struggling and he feels like he's going under. And God steps in and he says, look, he said, my prayer since will go with you. And Moses is saying, well, good, because if you're not coming with me, I'm not going. I would rather camp out here where you're at than to travel in a place where you're not. I am not going to leave where I know God is to try and explore some territory where I'm not sure he's even going to show up. There's something powerful about the goodness of God. So when the Lord tells Moses this, then Moses is, he's been so overwhelmed for so long. Who does Moses go to? You know what I mean? It's not like Moses can go, you know, go to the Israelites and start complaining about everybody. Moses found a personal relationship with God. And I'm telling you that when we find that, It changes everything. Moses turns back to God when God tells him that he's going to come into the camp. And now Moses is hungry, not for food, not for blessing. He's just hungry for God. Listen to what he says in verse 18. This is Moses talking, and he said, please, show me your glory. And God speaks to him, and he says, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Show me your glory. I hope you never get satisfied with just coming in and sitting on a pew or sitting in a seat here in this place. I hope there's a hunger in your heart that longs to see the glory of God. I hope that there's something in you that is so desperate to see God in a way that you've never seen him before. I'm not saying you don't know God. You do know God, but here's what I've learned in life, the more you know God, the more you want God. The more you get to know Him, the more you want of Him. And so, I've, 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 look, man, I've done the tap dance. I've been there. I've seen folks, and to them, it was just kind of about, oh yeah, I go to church. I do all that stuff. But God's not a part of their life. I, I'm telling you, this is not a social event for me. This is my life. I can't make it without Him. I, I've got to have Him. I, I I need to know him and I want to know him in a greater way show me your glory I got so desperate for God at a time in my life man I, I had fasted I'd, I'd, I, I'm just telling you I was at a place where I thought God I've got to know you I know you exist and I know you're there and I know you're powerful but I need to know personally how powerful you are when you get hungry for God in a personal way God God will reveal himself to you uh, in a personal way. Uh, everybody else may think you're nuts and out of your mind. Uh, but I'm telling you, when God shows up, uh, you're going to know he's been there. I, I think about this. I th- God said, let me, can I just put this in plain English? He said, I'm going to cause all my goodness to pass before you. Amen. Did you ever stop to think about how powerful and how awesome the goodness of God is? See we've used that word, oh, those are good cookies. God ain't a cookie. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's, you know, I was saying in the last service that our, our, Little Vivian, our little two-year-old granddaughter, she goes, oh, oh my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And we get, so we do what you do, you know, and it's a lot cuter when she's doing it. And, and, and we just laugh and we. But when you stop and think about the goodness of God, let me tell you how powerful this is. Because God speaks to Moses and he sets him up for this. He tells him, he said, Look, he said, I'm going to cause all my goodness to pass before you. But the only way you're going to be able to survive it is I'm going to tuck you in a rock. And as I pass before you, I'm going to cover you with my hand. People say, Oh, you know, but that was face to face. God is a spirit. So when God talks in terminology of a face, he's not talking in terminology of a face like you and I know it. He's talking about the revelance of revealing who he is for you being able to see him that way. And he said, no one can see me and live. Do you understand that the goodness of God is so powerful that if it were to pass in front of us, it would snatch our breath away. It would be, oh, and, 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 it's, and and I mean, man, down and out for the count because his goodness is beyond comprehension. His goodness is beyond what we're able to fathom or hold. So I thought about this and I thought, well, man, it's just that word. And there's got to be more to that word. So when you look that word up in Hebrew, it breaks down to this. The word goodness, the first thing you see when you start looking at the definition is it says the word word goodness, better, the best. Everybody say it with me, the best. I'm talking about, you know what I mean. You ever have chicken and dumplings? I've had good, I've had bad, and then I've had the best. are you getting… I'm thinking about… I remember a story about a preacher that he was, you know, he, he'd been in revival and everybody was feeding him chicken. I mean, every night he'd had chicken for three weeks. And, He's getting ready to say the prayer. He's at these people's house. He's getting ready to say the prayer. And just as he bows his head, he looks up and he sees them coming through with another plate of chicken. And he bowed his head and he said, dear God, we've had it hot. We've had it cold. We've had it young and we've had it old. We've had it tender and we've had it tough. But dear God, don't you think we've had enough? Just, you know, I mean, at some point. Somebody's got to have some beefsteak out there, man. The best. Everybody say it with me, the best. So when I begin to describe to you the goodness of God, I want you to understand I'm not speaking in terms of good. I'm not speaking in terms of, oh, this is great. I'm not speaking in terms of this is better. I'm telling you, this is the best. It's impossible to get any better than this. This is the best. And so the word, when you begin to unpack the word goodness, it means kindness. Everybody say kindness. I'm not just talking about a little bit of kindness. I'm talking about the best kindness. Kindness means acts of compassion and mercy. How many of you have ever needed some mercy shown to you? You know what I'm talking about. If you got what was coming to you, you were in trouble. But aren't you glad to know that God's mercy shows up and it's the best mercy you've ever experienced in your life and the scripture says that his mercy is new You you, you understand, how many of you have ever shown mercy to somebody and got a little bit tired of showing them mercy? How many of you have ever shown somebody mercy and after about five times of the same junk, you about, my mercy's levels is about a pint low right now and you better get out of my face. The Bible says that his mercy is new every morning. Anytime you come to him and your repentance in your heart, no matter how many times you screwed up, no matter how many times you've messed up, no matter how many times you failed, when you come to him and you say, God, I need you from the depths of my heart, his mercy is new every morning. It's like you never did anything. He reaches out to Show compassion. It is the best it can get. Everybody say beauty. No, it's, this past is that kind of beauty. Beauty. Let me, let me tell you the definition of beauty. It is an assemblage of graces. That pleases the eye. Not an assemblage of bodies. An assemblage of graces. The unmerited favor of God. Grouped together. That pleases the eye because you see it coming for you. Grace is off a chain and it's hunting you down. He tells us in the book of Isaiah that he came to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. The garment of praise. Everybody say praise. I've been carrying this old heavy thing, and I'm hot. And, and how, many of you, how many of you have ever gone through something, and man, it's just like you get weary, you know, and you, you feel like you're still dragging it around and dragging it around. What God does is He takes it off of you, and in place of that, He wraps you with a garment of praise. What happens when you get wrapped with a garment of praise?
1: Yeah, right.
0: here, come up here. No, you wrap me. It's okay, it's okay. You ready? So she took off that spirit of heaviness, right? Everybody say, the spirit of heaviness is off. <laughs> the spirit of heaviness is off. And now she's going to wrap me in a garment of praise. Woo! <laughs> No, no, no. We come into church, we sit down, we fold our hands, we patty cake. Oh, that's a wonderful. That's a wonderful. I'm telling you, uh, when God gets a hold of your life, uh, it'll cause you to praise him uh, no matter where you're at, uh, no matter who you're with, uh, no matter who's watching. Uh, It's the garment of praise. Uh, It reminds you uh, that when you were down for the count, uh, a hand of God, uh, the goodness of God lifted you up uh, and changed your life a life forever. A garment of praise. We carry a garment of complaint, a garment of mediocre, a garment of, ah. Uh, but a garment of praise. When's the last time? You know, i never forget this. Back years ago, because I, I knew that God wanted us to praise him. And I remember praying and asking God, and I said, God, please, let me wake up with your praise on my lips. It's just so easy for the day to get started and take off, and and you forget to even acknowledge him. God, please, let me wake up. And I'll never forget that next morning when I woke up without even being conscious of what I was doing. When my eyes opened, my hands went up. And I said, thank you, God, for this day. And there was something in my heart that began to leap within me because I realized that God is willing to show up when you invite him in. He's willing to demonstrate his goodness to us when we ask him for it. Everybody say, a garment of praise. I figured you'd jump up and take off shouting, honey. A garment of praise. Everybody say, welfare. Now, I'm still talking about goodness. Now, when we heard the, hear the term welfare now, we all kind of, you know, welfare was intended to be something good. It was supposed to give people a hand up and not a hand out. Because how many of you know that if, you, if all you do is live for a handout, you'll never achieve the potential that God has for you in your life. I want to show you what happens on God's welfare program. Everybody say it with me, welfare. Luke chapter 2 verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Welfare, the the word welfare means enjoyment of peace and blessings of life. When the angel showed up, he he declared glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. When we were falling apart, when the earth was about to come apart at the seams, God Himself stepped into our world and said, I'm going to change your welfare. I'm getting ready to bring you peace and goodwill. You're going to know me in a way that you've never known me before. Up to this time, I've just been a shadow to you. I've dwelt behind a curtain and you had to bring an animal sacrifice. But I'm getting ready to do for you what I've never done for anybody. I'm pulling back the curtain. And I'm going to show my glory. I'm getting ready to reveal to you the goodness of God. And with that, Christ made an entrance into the world and changed everything. Everybody say it with me. Everything changes. The last definition for this word is joy. Everybody say joy. The definition of joy means to feel exhilaration because of something good. A glorious and triumphant state. I get joy when I think about what he's done for me. I get joy when I think about how he set me free. I mean, guys, he did it for me. I just assumed he'd do it for you. I'm talking about we, we, we end up walking around looking like we lost our best friend. Our, you know, I'm telling you, joy. We, we don't understand the concept of the goodness of God. It's so powerful, it brings so many kindness and compassion and mercy and, 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 and the, well welfare, and, and it brings joy to us. <laughs> All right, we're going to do what we did in the last service. Are you ready? Go, Woo! No, 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 no. You don't get by with sitting down in your seat. When you're at the ball game, when you're at the ball game, no, no, sit down first. Yeah. <laughs> sit down first. We're going to start out there. But when you're at the ball game, how many of you have ever been to a St. Louis ball game before? And th- they have the wave, right? And they and they all start going, whoo. You ready? Woo! 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 Now look, if you can't, you don't have to get up if you're older 50. Just throw your hands up. Just throw. There you go. Woo! I felt it. Woo! You ready? You ready? Let's try it again. Let's try it again. Woo!
1: Woo!
0: Woo! 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 Now, now, I just need to hang out here a second because I, I I know you guys better than that. When you get to the ballpark, and I know I know David that for you it's the Cubs. Okay, I understand that. So. And there's a few more people like that. We're praying for you. It's okay. (laughs) Look, I'm talking about an exhilaration that causes you to get wound up over something you're expecting. So we go to the ballpark and everybody's wrapped up right there. Woo! And y'all, man, I don't care. Some of you are 110 years old and you're out there going, woo! And then we come to church and we, (laughs) praise God. (laughs) I'm just telling you, until we let him mean more to us than a courtesy nod, we're never going to experience him the way he wants us to know him. He said, man, I'm going to give you joy that's unspeakable and filled with glory. Hebrews 12 and 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me try and bring this home to you. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that's set before him endured the cross. Jesus is suspended between two worlds. The one that he came from and the one that he came to. And the one that he came to crucified him. And so, in that moment, he looks to the one that he came from. And what he sees there is joy. And so, while hanging on a cross he sees the joy that's set before him. He reaches out and he takes hold of it and he starts to pull it back into our world. And then he says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And in that moment, he brought that joy to us. He took away our grief. He took away our sorrow. He arrested our pain. He took away the the. the, the, despising, the the disappointment and the heartbreak. And he said, I can give you joy. Not in spite of what, not because of what you're going through, but in spite of what you're going through. Joy. Can I tell you that happiness is based on happenings, but joy reaches beyond what you're going through. It's the goodness of God. Everybody say the goodness of God. In Romans 4, or in Romans 2 and 4, this is in the NLT. And In the King James, it tells us that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. The NLT says it this way. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? His kindness turns us from our sin. When we see how good he is, we're, we're drawn toward him, not away from him. It's intended, God never intended for you to see him as a dictator sitting on a throne with a lightning bolt in his hand. He wanted you to see him in his goodness. And think about this, he has to cover our face because if all of his goodness is revealed, it's more than we can take. It's more than we can comprehend. So he gives us glances and, and, and we get pictures of his goodness. And I'm telling you uh, that when Christ came, we saw goodness on display. We saw the goodness of God revealed. Okay, you ready? Everybody buckle up. I didn't get to do this in the last service. Those of you watching online, this is what you missed. Psalms twenty three and one. Everybody say the goodness of God. Yes, God. And now I know everybody knows this. Everybody go, oh man! You mean tell me I hung out for the twenty third Psalm? <laughs> Stay with me here. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. Translate it. Lord, Jehovah, the self-existent one. Shepherd, the one that tends, takes care of. Ruler as a friend. That's what it means. Want to lack, fail, or make lower. So now let's read the translation. Jehovah, the self-existent one, rules over me as a friend, and I shall not lack, I shall not be made low, and I shall not fail. (laughs) Do you understand the goodness of God, the goodness of God? It's like looking the devil in the face and say, give it your best shot, because the one that loves me is well able to take care of me. You cannot have me. He rules over me as a friend. Have you ever gone to a friend that was messing up? You, you have if you're a friend. Because if you're a friend, you won't let him stay there. But you go to him and say, let, come here. I need to talk to you. I've been observing some things that's got me concerned. And I don't want to lose you. God does not browbeat us. He pulls us in and says, I'm going to take care of you. As long as you'll let me, I'll make sure you never fail. You'll never be in lack and you'll never be made low. I'll keep you as the apple of my eye. Now listen to what he says, because this is where it gets real exciting. 23 and verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. They were singing it today. His goodness is running after me. His goodness, they didn't know that I was preaching this. His goodness is running after me. (laughs) The goodness I described to you earlier is goodness as a noun. Because it's it's talking about God, the goodness of God. So it shows up as a noun. But here, it's an adjective. It's description. It's moving towards you. It's, it's, it's coming. It's not just a description, man. It's an action. The goodness of God will follow me all the days of my life. And we say that, we, we read that, we think, oh, yeah, that's great. No, no, you, you don't. Let me tell you what it means. Are you ready for this? <laughs> I, I, I just need to give it to you all at once, okay? Here it is. Everybody say the goodness. The goodness of God. The better, best, beautiful, bountiful, cheerful, gracious favor of God, joyful kindness, lovingly pleasant, precious prosperity, and sweet wealth and welfare is tracking you down. The goodness of God, the goodness of God, the goodness of God is coming after me. He's hunting me down. He's tracking me. He won't let go of me. He's saying, I want you. I will not let up on you. I will not forget you. I will show you gracious favor. I will reveal my joyful kindness. You will know that I have given you my best. My best. Can I ask you a question right now? And I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want anybody to get, everybody stay up and stay excited. (laughs) I just got one question I want to ask you. God has undeniably, unmistakably instructed us and told us, I am giving you my best. So what are we giving him? What are we giving him? Moses, son, I know you've had a hard time with these folks. And I know you've done your best. So this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to come after you. I'm going to pass by you with all my goodness. Now it's more than you're able to handle. So I'm going to cover you as I come by. Because if I didn't, You wouldn't be able to comprehend the depth and the width and breadth of God. Uh, My prayer Mm -hmm. for a large portion of my life has been, God, please, I want I just want to know that when I leave this place that I've given you my best. And it breaks my heart to say it, but I know there are times that I haven't. Here's the difference. It doesn't make me want to give up. It makes me want to get up and say, here I am, God. If your mercy is new every morning, then so is my desire to give you my best. If you are pouring out your joy on me in an unmistakable, undeniable way, then I want to come after you. Look, man, I've, I've been through it all with folks, you know, people. Let me just tell you this. If, if you start letting your friends control your walk with God, they'll control everything about you. Well, aren't you afraid they, they'll make fun? What happens if they make fun of me? Can I whisper a secret in your ear? They were making fun of you before you ever started living for God. I'm not in in a popularity contest. I'm not worried about being the most loved kid on the block. I just want to be the most powerful kid on the block. (laughs) I want to have the goodness of God and the power of God and the presence of God, the best God has to offer. Everybody say it with me, the best. best. Now, come on out here, you two. Come on, this way. I want you to get your mics because his goodness is running after me. Look, here's the, here's the bottom line. The goodness of God is tracking you down. He said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. He's tracking you down. So here's, here's my thing It's let him find you. Let him find you. Don't try and hide from him. Let him find you. Let the goodness of God. Fill your life now. Are you ready for it? Everybody say, move in a little bit. You can stay. If you're practicing social distancing, just scatter out all over the building. Prepare your heart right now and say, here I am, God. I want your best. Now look, that you're going to get that, but let me let me share a secret a secret with you, and we're going to pray. When we were evangelizing and traveling, 20 over 21 years, going to different churches all the time, there's something I discovered. That's when I got into a church that was hungry and had been praying and seeking God. The gifts of the Spirit would begin to operate in an unprecedented manner. You see, how can I say this? You don't control the presence of God. You just allow God, you you become a conduit for it. And you, you, you say, here I am God. And so, I would see, now, man, there were, Debbie was going back through some of those old books that she wrote and journals. She had journaled. It's been 21 years, man. I forgot all about this stuff. She she grabbed one of those and started flipping through, and the miracles that God did, It literally, I sat there and started reading it and started weeping because I, I had forgotten what God had done. And we're all subject to that, aren't we? We forget what God has done for us, so we're focused on the mess we're in instead of knowing that the goodness of God and what it can do and what it can bring to our life. So today, I want you to get your eyes off your mess and get your eyes on his goodness. Raise your hands, John. Raise your hands to heaven right now. And say, God, I'm gonna let the I'm gonna let Your goodness come after. Me. Come, I want you to sing that right now. I don't. Come on,
1: come on, give me it. Your goodness is running after, it's it's running, running after, after me. Come on, sing it with him right now. Your goodness is running, running after, after me. With my life laid down, down, I'm surrendered now. I give You everything. is running after me, running after me. Your goodness is running after, to running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, to running after your hands to heaven
0: with me right now. Look, if you've got to go, you can go. You're free to go. But if you, if you want his goodness, His goodness is running after me. I'm bound and determined to let it catch me. How about you? Stretch your hands to heaven with me right now. Look at me just a second.
1: Stretch your hands
0: up. Are you hungry for God? You want God to use you. There are times that you pray and you say, God, I'm so hungry for you to use me. But then there are other times where you feel like you get caught up in just kind of a routine of stuff and and you lose part of that. But God's determined. And all you've got to do is say, here I am, God. Here I am, God. Are you ready? Stretch those all hands as life, high as you
1: can. You know. Here. Been faithful.
0: God measures, look, I want you to hear me. God looks at your hunger and he looks at your seriousness. You know what I'm talking about? God don't tap dance. So it's it's like, you know, and I always get tickled because I think, you know, how many times have you tried to pull the wool over God's eyes? You know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like, you know, like we do, you know, oh well, you, you know, we you can't do it to God. God knows exactly where you're at, he knows exactly what you're doing, he knows your motive. And what happens is when all of a sudden your heart uh, connects with his heart, uh, and those motives meet, uh, something powerful takes place in your life. Are you ready? Are you stretch those hands to heaven with me right now? Mm. Your
1: goodness is running up, it's around to me. She's running out she's running out to play so lay down i'm Só o
0: So we step back and we look at it and I didn't even see this that. I
1: didn't even see that. It. It's after me. Your goodness is running after, running after me. My life is down. I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, running after His goodness is after me.
0: is running after us. couple of things I'm going to let you go with. There's a couple of things I want to leave with you that I think is important. You need to get and understand. God will never force his way into your life. You say, well, what about the apostle Paul? You need to remember there's a phrase there where Jesus spoke to Paul and said, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks." What that means is that God had been dealing with his heart all along and Paul kept suppressing it and pushing it back. He would already, the, the pricking of the heart had already been going on and God and the goodness of God looked at Paul and realized he doesn't understand. And so he overwhelmed him with his goodness. When you don't understand, when you're not sure, God can overwhelm you with his goodness. Just overwhelm you, just. (laughs) But we have to want him. Do you ever get hungry for something? I'm talking about, man, it might be the middle of the night. Some you get a hankering for something and it's like, you ever get up and get your clothes on and go to the all-night grocery store when they used to be open all night, you know? I just, you know, I just got, I, I need, Debbie was expecting Bethany. In August, we started looking for watermelon. We, we found one. It was the last one the guy had, and he had cut it open. It was already open. He had it out for display. And he said, this is the only one I got. Debbie said, I'll take it. And just, she didn't care. Well, this has been cut open. This has been laid. I don't care, man. I don't care how many flies laid eggs on it. I'm, I t- I want it. I want it. We, when we get that true hunger, we quit finding excuses and we start finding ways. Amen. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Let's pray together tonight, today. Father, I thank you, God, for what you've done in this place. God, for every individual in here, I pray your blessing over them. I pray, God, that your goodness apprehends them. We thank you from the depths of our heart because you have been so, so good to us. God, times that we didn't even recognize that you were taking care of us. So from our hearts, we say, Lord, here we are. We're going to run after you. We're going to pursue you, and we want you to use our lives for your glory. We give you praise for it now in Jesus' name. God bless you. We love you.